Hello there, Living Force podcast listeners. Santa here, and when I'm out delivering toys to all the good little Padawans, I enjoy listening to my free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And you can get a free book from Audible, too. Just go to utini.com slash audible and click free trial. Then you can take your pick from all the Star Wars selections Audible has to offer. And if you're on the nice list, you might find a shiny new lightsaber under the tree this year. Except for you, Randy. Not after what happened last year. Merry Christmas! This is Alexander Freed, author of the Alphabet Squadron novels, and you are listening to the Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. The first transport is away. The first transport is away. A Utini production. Our first catch of the day. Episode 90, From a Certain Point of View, Empire Strikes Back Roundtable. Bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. Yes, sir. On this episode, Patreon goals unlocked. It's so good to see you fully functional again. New Star Wars projects. All of them. Impressive. And the Utini crew talks about the latest From a Certain Point of View anthology. Target, maximum firepower. And now, here are your hosts. Hello, what have we here? Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Living Force. So good to have you here on a Monday or a Thursday or a Friday or, you know what? You're listening whenever you want. That's your choice, and we're happy you're doing it. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight is the full crew. We have the doctors. We start with Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, buddy. Hello there. What's up, guys? How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I had a 24-hour shift yesterday I'm coming off of, but I slept, you know, a good a good amount today. And, you know, I'm uh, groggy, if not uh, intoxicated, so cheers. Great. That sounds absolutely gross. We also have Charles <laughs> Hankel. Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, buddy. Corey stole my line. He said hello there. I can't say that now. So, hey, what's up? How's it going, guys? I, uh, I do have a story that I want to tell, but I don't want to tell it before uh, Mr. Wes Jenkins gets introduced as well. Wow, okay, way to spoil it. Wes Jenkins is here, too, I guess. Howdy, folks. Hi, Wes. Good to see everyone. Appreciate the introduction, Charles. (laughs) Every week, I get to have the intro lines, and Charles is like, nope, this week, I don't care. Listen, Corey stole my thing, I steal your thing. Now, (laughs) it's Wes's turn to steal something. Well, uh, I will also take one thing that I love uh, that you can't take away from me, actually, is saying hi to people in the chat. We have a good good crew here tonight, as always. I want to say a special thank you to our buddy Tom Balmagoose, who said, Nice chair, Eric. Thank you. It's a very distracting cyberpunk chair. Um, I did, in case you're all wondering, put over 30 hours into the game over the weekend, and since I have a new console, it ran fine. Um, but I do want to say hi <laughs> to everyone else, including uh, we got Joxie uh. in the chat, Meg's there, Spice Den is there, uh, who else we got in here? John Dutch Vander is here. Happy to have you, as always. Happy you're tuning in to hear us talk about, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, not our traditional roundtable, but we are going to talk about things we loved about the book a little later on. But before we do that, a couple Patreon updates we want to make you all aware of. Uh, you know what? I'm going to stop myself there. I was in a rhythm. 
But Charles, I, I want to hear your story first. I almost cut that off. That's what, it wasn't in the outline. But what, you, you got what, a weird package this week. It's, I, di- I did get <laughs> You got a what? Continue. <laughs> Charles got a weird package. I so, said it. Eric has indeed played. been playing way too much Cyberpunk. <laughs> so Eric and Wes know this story. Corey, you may or may not be in on this story. But when we were recording our last episode of Bounty Hunt, uh, a mystery unfolded. And I received a letter in the mail or, a, you know, an envelope in the mail. And it was addressed from a Mr. Tim Vanth from Pasadena, California. Now, when I first saw this envelope, I thought, Vanth, Vanth, that's weird. Kind of like Cobb Vanth, probably no relation uh, because he's a fictional character. But anyways, took the envelope upstairs, opened it up. And lo and behold, it's not a letter. It is... I'm going to hold this up for the audience. A paper cutout of Cobb <laughs> Vanth. But wait, no, it's not just one paper cutout of Cobb Vanth. It's like a bunch of them. Okay? And, and someone just mailed these to me for an unknown reason. There's no letter with it. There's no explanation. There's no ransom note, which I would kind of expect to see. Uh, this... Someone took their time oh with this, God. too. I'm going to hold this up close. Look at the yeah. detail of going around the ears. <laughs> Okay. Like I want almost you to, laser cut. Someone like, I want you to I want you to tape that in front of your camera so that's just like there so for that the remainder just, of the show. So that it just looks like <laughs> Cobb Vantasins. So I listen, I've been upset since I got this because I don't know what it means. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I will say I don't know what they want. I will say, uh, since this mystery first unfolded, I did reach out to some people on Slack, and they did confirm to me that Tim Vanth may or may not have the same uh, address as Jose Joxy. So, <laughs> Joxy, what's going on, man? What are you trying to tell me? Is there everything all right, man? Uh, man. You need to. Uh, do we need to put you in like a mental hospital or something? Well, it was a good laugh. He's the architect, right? So the steady hand makes sense. With like, I assume he has like an exacto <laughs> knife and a drafting board. But I, I was when you first told Wes and I about this unprompted on Bounty Hunt. By the way, if you listen to the last Bounty Hunt, you'll hear me trying to do the credits and absolutely just biffing all over the place because Charles was holding it up to the camera. Um, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like you've been particularly vocal about Cobb Vanth you, you like you're not like a Cobb Vanth stan or like it's a very odd specific choice I, listen I know if I haven't gotten Cobb Vanth. if I haven't gotten cutouts of Obi-Wan in the mail uh I don't know why I'm getting cutouts of Cobb Vanth but I'm gonna let Jose <laughs> oh, explain himself in the chat we should uh we should just publish all our addresses so that that listeners That's can just send us idea. random random oh things. my god so, I, I actually know way that can be no way that can be mine under wraps <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Joxie in the chat, he just did say, Charles. Apparently, you mentioned wanting a cardboard cutout of Cobb Vanth at some point. This is what he could afford. <laughs> so there you go. And to the Red Eye leader who just asked, "What is going on?" Uh, you are now welcome alone. to the show. And you can welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know about now. as much as we do, <laughs> guys. Now we got to be serious. We got to talk about Star Wars now. All right, Star Wars. Let's, let's, let's be real. Uh, Why are we even here? <laughs> <laughs> we're here. Well, now we're here to actually talk about money and talk about Patreon because That's right. since we our last show aired, I kid you not, um, our, our Patreon community, we, we love you all. We, we've extolled your praises show after show. Since our last show, guys, we hit another Patreon goal. That's mind blowing. We, we, we haven't even done the last one yet. And so, I mean, thank you all for continuing to support. But we hit our next Patreon goal 
which is an official Phantom Menace film commentary by us, the host of The Living Force. So, I mean, Corey is going to be doing the I yes. Jedi Patreon goal Friday, January 8th. Which I'm getting, I'm and actually, then, I've complained about a lot on this show, but I'm actually getting pretty excited about it. I think I'm going to go all out and like, <gasps> I'm going to like fireplace and it's going to be fantastic. Yes. Like, it's it's, it's going to be really fun. I, I have to oh figure God. out, I do have to figure out a drinking game related to the book though. So somebody needs to help me figure this out. I think you just oh, drink. Well, yeah. That's the game. I have plenty of ideas for you. I get throughout so intoxicated the week. that I can't read it. That's that's the game. <laughs> well, that'll be that, and I can't say there won't also be drinks at the Phantom Menace film commentary. Which which don't you worry, Andrew already said in the chat, like y'all better be nice to Phantom Menace. Uh, we're Phantom Menace lovers oh, around here. Let's it. be clear. Yeah. Sure. So very excited to actually record that because I we've kind of watched movies together, but we've never like recorded a commentary together before. So I'm excited right. to do that. Um, so thank you all for that. Our next Patreon goal. Uh, which I guess we we got to keep pushing um, is a two part roundtable of Claudia Gray's Bloodline, one of the uh, really phenomenal, uh, frankly underrepresented canon books. Uh, that would be the next one. So like we did with Lost Stars way back when it feels like now. If we hit our next Patreon goal, we will be doing a roundtable of Bloodline. So we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, this is again a reminder that if you want to hit up a Eugenie annual Patreon membership, sign up by December 31st. You get two months free at any tier uh, that has actually been very instrumental in getting us to these goals. So thank you to everyone that has done that. Speaking of patrons, Corey, we skipped my favorite segment last week, but it's back this week. It is. It is back this week, the patron of the week. And this week we have a very interesting gentleman. Uh, Special. Awesome. S- special, yeah. Uh, Wes, Wes tells us uh, <laughs> tells us he's an interesting a guy. Good, so uh, I think he's a good good, good friend. Good friend of Wes. Um, you know, you know. He, I see who he keeps company with, so I guess that explains it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we have a patron of the week this week, so let's go ahead and roll that, Wes. Hey, everybody. My name's Jace, patron of the week. I'm from Houston. Astros fan. Suck it, Eric. Uh, we won a World Series banging on trash cans, and I don't care. Um, sorry. Uh, got here because I uh, played video games. I always played the old Knights of the Old Republic. Loved the game. Thought it was really cool. Um, because of that, I got more into the series, um, the movie series, I should say. I never really read any books till about a year ago. Uh, first book I read was uh, Darth Bane. Uh, just fell in love with it. Thought it was so cool. Um, really enjoyed everything about it. Uh, just crushed the trilogy um, over the holidays, or last holidays, I should say. And just enjoyed everything about it. And then from there, it started to make my way, um, picking up different books, um, continue to, I guess, grow my understanding of the expanded universe. But, um, my favorite film is Empire Strikes Back. I just thought it was so cool when it came out. Um, or just cool in general. The fact that bad guys win, um, bad guys never win and they don't win like that. So, uh, I mean, watching that movie, just watch Vader, just kind of destroy all the heroes and, you know, destroyed Luke's mentality with, the whole drop of him being his father was awesome. Um, I could really get behind that. Uh, what made me, you know, support the community was my buddy Wes's, um, you know, he's been a part of it. Him and I kind of found out that we were Star Wars nerds uh, after The Force Awakens. We watched the movie. Uh, we went to World of Beers and we talked about Star Wars for like literally like two, three hours. I can't even remember. I started getting drunk, but it was fun. Um, and then from there, we just kind of always snuck off and talked about Star Wars <laughs> and so here we got a community that supports that. So it's been fun. Uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to is uh, all the new content coming out, um, the new shows, uh, everything on Disney Plus. I think it's going to be great. Um, it's new. 
I think for me being um, a newbie to all this, I, I don't really have um, a lot of understanding of the legends or canon or anything other than the few books that I've read and the podcasts I've listened to. So um, starting fresh, I think is fair for me against some of you other guys, um, but more so just fun because it's new. Um, uh, I don't really have any uh, handles or social media tags. I'm not too big into that stuff, but I do play Xbox from time to time. So you can look me up. I'm the Lou monster. Um, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed. It's been pretty cool. Um, if I have to give you guys a, a question and answer, um, would you like to blackmail Wes? Cause I got some stuff, but if you don't want to do that, um, we'll steal one from the movie, the step brothers. You got to marry one. You got to kill one and you got to impregnate one. And my only parameter to this is that Eric cannot choose Padme. Bye. <laughs> oh, oh there you go, Corey. <laughs> oh my God! I would like to say that I'm surprised at all by this incredibly inappropriate question that we just played live on the internet. But you know, seeing this is one of your close friends, Wes. I'm not at all. So here we are. First thing I want to say is that guy is awesome because he gives me big props. Second thing I'm going to say is we're not going to do your damn question, Chase. And <laughs> And thirdly, we're going to send you your five bucks back this month because that's rude and it's it's something we shouldn't do on a family show. Family show. But here's what I will say. I will 100% take you up on the offer to blackmail Wes. I love that. And I will also say that the only other time that an evil entity has won other than the Empire Strikes Back is, in fact, when the Astros won the World Series. Oh. Um, So I totally get get the reasoning. Um, all right, but thank okay. you. But, but in all in all seriousness, thank you, thank you, Chase, for the support of the show. It's awesome to uh, hear how you and Wes got to bond over Star Wars and kind of like you know find this other area of of the community to kind of engage with. And we love having you here. We also want to say a thank you to uh, Maggie Smith, who this week became an annual patron, and to our very own Adam Dyson, who uh, became a monthly patron once more, and actually is the reason that Phantom. Menace commentary is happening, so go thank your very favorite Discord moderator for getting us over that hump. All right, now it is time for another favorite segment of the show, the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. And, you know, when I was first writing this outline, everybody, wasn't a whole lot of Star Wars news that happened. And then (laughs) it was Thursday. And if you haven't been to our YouTube channel recently, Corey and I put out a big reaction video on the Disney Investor Day that happened. If you were unaware... (laughs) Ten new Star Wars series got announced for the Disney Plus. Uh, Corey, if you want to throw up the little visual we have, this is all the stuff that got announced, um, confirmed. Just a few things. Yeah, including, if you're listening to audio, we have Star Wars Rangers of the New Republic, Star Wars Ahsoka, Star Wars Visions, The Bad Batch, Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, Star Wars Andor, officially named, Star Wars Lando, Star Wars The Acolyte, Star Wars A Droid Story, and the next feature film in 2023, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins. So, um, we, we took a while kind of breaking these down earlier, but now it's the four of us. Guys, what did you think about this? Yeah, mad props for this stuff. Man, Eric, we could not contain our excitement when we recorded that video. No. If you guys haven't seen that, it's it's pretty fun. Somebody said, I don't know if if somebody on our team, somebody said that they thought that they were watching it at like 1.25 speed because we were going so fast. (laughs) Yeah, because we were so stoked about it. Yeah. 
But I guess Charles West, um, people have heard what Corey and I think about this. I see in the chat John Dutch Vander says he's most intrigued by the Acolyte. Uh, which of these projects intrigue you guys the most? I'll say which, which of the projects we didn't know about mm. intrigue you the most. Yeah, I think um, I think Rogue Squadron. I think yeah, Rogue Squadron right? because yeah, I mean man. it's yeah. got so many legends ties potentially, and it mm-hmm. seems like with that little intro video from Patty Jenkins that it's in good hands. Like it's someone that is, is so going misty. to yeah to appreciate what it is. It sounds like to be a like a pilot, a fighter pilot, and also yeah, what it is to love Star mm-hmm. Wars and, and to know how to tell a good story. So all those yeah. things together, I I have very high hopes. Yeah. And yeah, like, we all kind of had an idea of when the next movie was coming out, but we didn't right. know which movie it was. So, and then we thought it may have been the Ryan Johnson movie. We could have mm-hmm. been an, a different director, but it, uh, apparently it's Patty Jenkins, and it's a great it's a great choice, especially the <clears throat> with the background in her father being a fighter pilot, and yeah. then her um, actually being a part of the reading those Star Wars books beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just, she's awesome. And it was cool to see Michael Stackpole responding to her as well oh, on yeah. Twitter. Like, that was super cool. Yeah. Universes together was so cool. And, like, I mean, uh, we, we've had awesome flight sequences, like like in uh, Force Awakens. We had the great yeah. Poe sequence, Rogue, uh, Rogue One, obviously. Mm-hmm. We got the great space battles. But to have a movie that's going to be based purely around pilots at, like, a, you know, $250 million budget. Yeah. Like, it's, it's it gets me really excited, crawl. too. I mean, you guys know how much I love Rogue One. It's like the perfect mix of nostalgia and, like, modern computer graphics and stuff like that. And, like, uh, I'm really excited for this because I really hope that I hope that they're related in a way where it feels like you could almost watch them as a trilogy. Like, if there is a – like a, or a duology, regardless mm-hmm. of how many films they, they create. Like, I, I'm really excited for this. Yeah. That'd be incredible. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join uh, Spice Den and John Dutch as well. By saying that the Acolyte really intrigues me. That's the series from Leslie Headland, uh, who did Russian Doll. And it's said to be about kind of dark magic near the end of the High Republic. And the fact that the High Republic yeah. is already going into visual mediums is incredible. It's nuts. We, pre- we said uh, that was going to happen. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen. It's way too big of a project. I can't, I can't wait because, you know, Eric, I know we can't do a whole lot of spoilers, but you've, uh, you've completed, um, completed the first of the High Republic books recently, have you not? I, I did, and I, I do want to take this time to say I will. Uh, the embargo is up, so there are reviews out of the first three High Republic books. I have two of them next to me here, the advanced reader copies of Claudia Gray's Into the Dark and Justina Ireland's A Test of Courage. I have not finished these two yet, but I did finish Charles Soule's Light of the Jedi, and I tweeted it out, but if you don't follow me on Twitter, yeah, that's fine. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not mad about it. But if you did <laughs> see my reaction, I wanted to, no spoilers, say on here, at this moment, uh, it is the best Star Wars book I've ever read. I give it a Ooh. solid 10 out of 10 uh, without reservation. I think that Charles Soule was given a near impossible task in setting up a new era with characters that were both brand new yet familiar enough to fit in the universe. And you can tell the entire Luminous team really worked cohesively to make this product because the universe feels lived in. All the characters, and I do mean all the characters, whether they're in one chapter or in 40 chapters, are fascinating to read about. The, the Nile are a fascinating new villain that I'm not just waiting to get back to the Jedi chapters, which is a huge feat in my opinion. Um, and the way the book ends sets up like momentum for, for Kevin Scott's book, The Rising Storm, uh, which they've said kind of you know carries the torch in an amazing way that also really terrified me with the machinations of the villains. So 
Uh, if you are a fan of literally anything Star Wars, uh, they did it. Straight up. Light of the Jedi, it's coming out January 5th, and our hype has been out of this world, but it still might not be high enough. So that's my initial thought on Light of the Jeez. Jedi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? So I guess, um, you, I guess you liked it okay, is what you're trying to say. I it know. was okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's, here's the thing. I took, four days, I took two days off of work to play Cyberpunk 2077 this weekend, and on Saturday... I literally spent two and a half hours reading the book instead of gaming because I that's, couldn't put it down. Yeah, I was like, "That's awesome!" I wanted to finish it. So that's awesome. Um, Can't wait. Well, we, yeah. we have we, we read the first uh, the first eight chapters together, and those were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, really can't yeah. wait to dive into this one. It it, it really uh, it really kind of keeps that bar high. And uh, if you're interested in all the higher public stuff, as we hope you are, if you're watching this show on January fourth, it just got announced there will be a live stream event. Featuring uh, a lot of the creators of Luminous, all the authors, um, where they're going to announce some of the new stuff. So, uh, from what it sounds like, we're probably going to be getting the next wave titles, uh, more information about the future of the High Republic. Um, <laughs> sorry, in the comments. Yeah, Tom, you might want to read that one. Uh, it's, I heard it's pretty good. Uh, so, <laughs> tune in for that live stream, learn about the High Republic, and then the next day you can start reading this new era. Um, I'm so thankful for this show frankly, that we get to do a show about Star Wars books at this point when the High Republic is happening. And one last bit of news I want to add to y'all. It got announced this week that Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good, and Kevin Scott's High Republic, The Rising Storm were all moved up one week. So not a huge change, but now The Greater Good will be released on April 27th, and The Rising Storm will be released June 29th. So, you know, that's great. It's, it's, it's one less week. We got to wait for some new Star Wars books. Um, 2021 is going to be seriously incredible for all things Star Wars. So we wanted to keep you abreast of that. Of course, check the new release page on Utini where you can find all the books uh, in order. We currently have a bit of site malfunction with being able to go to book profiles from that new release page. We are working on it. But if you see your book on there, just Google it in the search bar. You'll find all the pre-order links you need. All right, we are here uh, to talk about this phenomenal book from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, the latest anthology collection from our good friends at Del Rey. This is a sequel to From a Certain Point of View, which celebrated the 40th anniversary of A New Hope. It is 40 stories by 40 authors. We wrote a review of it over at utini.com, which we highly suggest you check out. Very favorable by our team. Uh, We all very much enjoyed it. And rather than do a full roundtable discussing the plot and character and insight of all 40 stories, because, frankly, I don't want to kill Charles, um, we, we decided. <laughs> so, like, listen, we have to We, we have meet to him. Like, the reason, look how massive this is. It's huge. The book is it's enormous. It's ass boy. It's boy. It is. It's a massive. Listen, so I, I listened to the audio book because um, I knew that this was way too big of a book for me to try to get through, like, on top of being in the ICU for that month as I was trying to get through it. So working, it working in the ICU. It, you were working in yes. the ICU. Correct. <laughs> That's right. important to say. Yeah, it is Same important lines. to clarify. <laughs> uh, basically, it's supposed to be listening to it to my commute, which is like 22 minutes, basically. And I didn't finish it. I, I, got, I think I have like like three hours left so this i had to i had to get the guys to send me like what they thought were the most high yield uh stories to listen to the last out of the like the last 10 or something like that um because it's so big the audiobook is 17 hours it might be the longest yeah. star wars audiobook i think that i think it i think it is like and it still only costs you one audible credit it so does if you're looking for only pure value one. per minute it does it does i also want to say uh andrew bell in our chat 
who is the mastermind behind the Utinis, which are coming up. We want to yes. remind you of that at the end of the show. Insider Scoop. From a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back is one of the four finalists for the Book of the Year Utini Award. So be All sure right. to tune in to see if it wins. But today should, I want to... Sorry to interrupt. We no, should no. actually we should actually plug the Utinis pretty hard right now um, because we haven't Do done we haven't, we haven't done that yet. So that's next week, right? Isn't next? It's next Monday. Yeah, twenty first. Right? Yeah, yes. Next okay. Monday is I thought it. I thought it was Christmas party. Yes. So next Monday, everybody, you guys live with us. You've got to tune in next week. It's going to be a load of fun. So we're having an award show. We've talked about this extensively on the show. We're going to give away. You know, awards to what we thought was the best book. And it was all community-driven. People voted. It was a, a big time. And we've gone all out. I mean, we're talking suits and bow ties. It's going to be a lot of fun. So you got to make sure. overlays. Uh, shout yes. out to Ryan and our team who has completely overhauled the graphics that you'll see if you tune in Monday night or watch the YouTube video later. There will be a bunch of little fun uh, video gags uh, that, will, that will celebrate 2020. Because after the year we had... We really wanted to, to to celebrate the good stuff that got created and send it out with a bang. And it's it's just, it's very silly, but very fun. And I think that's a good balance for our show. Yes, absolutely. So next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv slash utini underscore US. Be here for the Utini Awards and see if from a certain point of view, the Empire Strikes Back takes home the big prize. Uh, we don't know, actually. We haven't seen the votes. To be completely honest, we're gonna open them. I don't them, think like we're gonna envelopes. actually. Yeah, we're gonna we're not gonna see them. So yeah, I need to figure out a way to. Actually, that's a good thing I need to do. I need to figure out a way to randomize it so we can we don't actually see it until the time comes. That would be really cool. <laughs> that would be awesome. Just have Andrew and Slack per- privately message us the second before it happens. We'll figure that's it out. A, it's that's fine. a great idea. Great idea. Great idea. All right, so that's next week. This week, I want to go around now, boys, and I want us to, in typical roundtable style, rate from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. On a 10-point scale. Uh, and then after we talk about all our favorite stories, we will re-rate. So, uh, Corey, you were just talking about your journey reading it. Why don't you start us off? One out yeah. of ten. I would, one uh, to ten. One, well, one out of ten. <laughs> Guys, actually, it's a one out of ten. It's really no. terrible. Huh. Harsh. Yeah, no. Top four book of the year, yeah. though. <laughs> It's been a long year. Uh, I really enjoyed this book. I- I'm going to give this one an 8.5 out of 10. The audiobook Ooh. experience is really high level. I- did you guys, any of you guys listen to the audiobook? Yes, I bounced back and I did. forth. Okay, okay. The audiobook experience of this book was up there. I mean, because they have so many different narrators and authors, um, it feels a little bit like a like a radio drama or a um, um, uh audio drama that is like the ones that came out the, the last couple of years like it, it just mm-hmm. has this sort of really epic feel to it this like all the different narrators just really killed it with uh with all their different portrayals of these characters so um it was it was really good i really enjoyed this one i mean there's as with all these short stories books there's like some hit or miss stuff um you either mm-hmm. love the short story or you are like yeah maybe i didn't really need that one but i think as a whole it was really good eight and a half out of ten all right excellent wes how about you um, I'm going to give it an 8.4 out of 10. Um, so I started off reading it and, um, I thought of, I mean, I got about a fifth of the way through and then I started listening to the audio book and then I started flipping back and forth between not listening to the audio and then reading. Um, some of the people who are reading the passages or the stories, 
um, really make the story itself. It does. So if I was just yes. reading it, it then I probably wouldn't have picked it as one of my top five. But there's one in my top five that I picked just because of a certain person that was reading it. And then towards the end, I John Ham read one of them, and I yeah, was like, Boba John Ham. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, John Ham, hell yeah, yeah, you handsome son of a bitch. <laughs> it's funny, Wes, but, that's, that's his full Christian name. <laughs> John Ham, you handsome son of good. a bitch. Okay, so fantastic. But So I think that, yeah, pick up the audiobook for this, because even if you've gone through and read some of these, if you reread them with basically with the sound effects and the, mm-hmm. and the narration from certain, uh, certain readers, it really makes it for a, for a better read. Yeah, and I feel like we we haven't we haven't talked a lot about this particular point, but I like how you said reread it in terms of an audiobook, Wes, because we we just want to say at Utini, we firmly believe that whether you read the books physically or digitally or listen to the audiobooks, it's all reading. Like I feel like some people kind of talk down about audiobooks because mm-hmm. like, oh, that's you're not actually reading, you're just listening. Like, no, that's that's reading a book. That's experiencing a story. And with Star Wars audiobooks, like we have said, you get so much more with the with the yeah. production, the sound effects mm-hmm. and the narrators, so um, definitely both are very that solid was, choices. <clears throat> that was a uh, that was a, a bit of advice that we I got from the first from a certain point of view book is that mm-hmm. that book I don't think they marketed it like properly the first time around and it didn't hit that hard when it was released like a lot of people were just not as crazy about it. Um, but I listened to the audio book and I had a wonderful experience with that with that yeah. book. Um, so like I knew that I was our to best try... audio book. It in, was uh, our best audio book article. That's right. It was. It was indeed. So I mean, I, I knew the audiobook was going to be be good. I thought this one hit even harder than that one did. I thought it was good. So really enjoyed it. Absolutely, Charles. How about you? One to ten. Yeah. So I think I would give this one an eight point zero, and maybe because I read the whole thing, you know, the physical copy. Uh, I did. Uh, I listened to a couple of the samples. I think when they first kind of let those out, and and I enjoyed them. But for whatever reason, I'm just more of a physical copy kind of guy. And I think mm-hmm. this book overall, obviously an eight out of ten, like it was a success. Um, I kept a note in my phone the whole time I read it, and I had my list of loves, my list of likes, and I had my list of dislikes. And I will say there were very, very few dislikes. But that's what's cool about these books and what's unique about all these short story compilations is there's something for everybody in here, you know, and and yeah, absolutely. On the flip side of that, that probably means, though, that there might be some stuff that's just not for you. And that's fine. Uh, Overall, though, I think this is a really, really high quality project. I enjoyed working my way through it. It was it was nice to have something that was a little bit more you could digest you know, in bite sizes, basically, like yeah. I would read a couple of stories before I went to sleep and not have to worry about remembering everything that came before. Right. <clears throat> I just have to remember that movie that I have loved for literally yeah. as long as I can remember. Yeah. yeah and yeah. You know, one, one small piece of meta commentary that I'm not sure if you guys have considered is um, these types of projects where they get all of these authors involved is really, really good for the community for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that that's, I've, I've thought about is like, you know, a lot of these authors probably don't get to work together that frequently because Star Wars is such yeah. a huge, such a huge thing. But when they do these massive projects, it's really clear that they're communicating with each other and fostering relationships amongst themselves. And that is really, really cool to me that, like, yeah. the authors themselves, we've, we've interviewed, interviewed enough of them on the show to understand that the authors themselves have a pretty tight-knit community when it comes to Star Wars. And they all take it really seriously. And so, like, like projects like this, like, really stand out to me because it, it gives them this sort of opportunity to, to really bounce ideas off 
off of each other, and that is only good for the Star Wars fandom. It's only good. Yeah, and it's, it was really cool to see when this first project got announced, the day that they announced all the authors, the amount of interplay between them on Twitter of like, oh, I love, I've always loved you, and now you're in Star Wars. I'm in Star Wars. Like, all, especially a lot of first-time yeah, authors totally. in Star Wars world were so excited, and they got to share that with like-minded people. And I think this also leads a lot of the Star Wars community to books maybe we never would have read, but like, oh, now there's 40 writers that also write other books. Now I can go find other non-Star Wars fiction that I like. Like that's how I found Tracy Dion's Legendborn, which is one of my favorite books this year, uh, and may come up later in the show. But I, I think that's it, it's just a really cool, unique thing because anthologies have been around for a bit, but to to put this much work into it in Star Wars is great. And I will <laughs> finish that comment by saying I'm going to give this an 8.8 myself for nice. all the reasons y'all said. Uh, I like this better than the first from a certain point of view myself. I think it's it's a much more diverse cast not only of authors but also of subject of thought and it, it it's clearly written for for literally anyone like no matter yeah. what kind of books you like you will find a story to absolutely love in this absolutely which which will totally make for some stories that you may not love but they're no matter who you are you will find yourself in this book and i think that's so fun and cool and really give star wars a great diving board to jump off of so um, speaking of those diving boards, <laughs> metaphors, uh, let's jump right into uh, what we're going to do instead of our traditional roundtable, which is our top five stories. I tasked these guys with uh, picking five stories that we loved, uh, because if we didn't love a story, that's fine. But at Utini, we talk about what we love. We talk about what we like in Star Wars, and there's no real use to like dwell on a book on a story for not hitting with us because if it hit with you we don't want you to think that you're wrong because we didn't love it so yeah we're going to talk about what we really adored why we did and these are all going to be surprises so maybe there'll be some doubles i personally have a list of 10 that i'm going to see if uh, I, do too. I can try to <laughs> try to work around but uh let's, let's go reverse order i will go last because i always like going last charles what is one of your top five favorite stories and from a certain point of view Okay, well, I will say these are in no particular order. So the last one that I say mm-hmm. won't necessarily yeah, be my favorite of the whole book. Same here. But uh, the first one that I think I'm going to mention is actually, and hopefully I'm even saying this right, because I still don't fully understand where the name of this one comes from, but Stet by Daniel Jose Older. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, the the whole Zuckus and, and Four Lom or Four L O M, depending on where you come from. Uh, uh, it's Four Lom. Get out okay. of here, Four L O M. Sorry, that's my line. Oh, that story was <laughs> insane. I don't know if we're gonna like break down each one individually as we go, but I have yeah. many thoughts. Yeah, just, so we're, just... we're probably gonna go through twenty possible stories. So we'll, we'll give, go us, super give us deep, give us but... some of the highlights, there, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> so it was essentially like two bounty hunters, right, that, that we know very well from Empire Strikes Back, Zuckus and, and Forlom, Eric. Um, and they are weirdly <laughs> like pretending to have created a charity for like children who have been killed in some, some galactic disaster or something like that. I can't recall the exact details. There's like a journalist who's meeting them in a cafe to write about their their change of heart, basically from turning away from being bounty hunters and and as it turns out, uh, he is, the journalist is like a member of a crime syndicate and all hell breaks loose in this cafe. And if that sounds bat, you know what crazy? It's because it is, man. 
Is is this the story where she keeps telling him to to change grandpa? Yes, yes. There, are, grandpa? There, are, there are literally <laughs> editor's notes. The editor's in, this is the most meta of of it all is. the stories. And like, shout out to, to here, Tom here. who's is watching look, the show. Look, our look, editor look, at Del Rey. Look at the way it looks. Look at the way it's written. Here, yeah. West, West, full screen that for me real fast. It's like, right. yeah, the, uh, the there's like all these notes on the sides of the pages and stuff. It's like, it's like, what is this? It's so meta. It's awesome. It's like they had they probably yeah. had to they probably had to use some like special printing technique just to make this happen on these pages. Like it's super cool. Yeah, that and I think cool. this speaks to what makes this collection so cool and different from from a certain point of view. Is that this is a bonkers idea to show yeah, inside is. baseball publishing jokes, and they're like, "Yeah, go for it." Um, the audio, how fun Daniel Jose. The audio for it. this was very interesting too, because like, yeah. it, it, it was almost a little challenging to get through. Like, I'm sure that was very hard to narrate because mm-hmm. um, they it would they would be reading along, they would be like, "Correction, it is our publications policy <laughs> to italicize all non-basic languages, including whatever this is." <laughs> like, and it would just interrupt the audio. It was so fun to to do that. So. Great choice, yeah. Charles. And it's also yeah. funny, like, there's another level of it. If you follow some of these writers on Twitter, like, they sometimes talk about things in publishing that frustrate them. Um, and, and some of those inside things are definitely in this. Oh, and yeah. I want to read a co- felt actually, like a j- running joke about this. Yeah, oh, my God. I want to read this. Tom just commented, fun fact, during the production process, one of our real editorial notes accidentally got printed as one of the fake ones and was only caught just before the book was finalized. <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, great choice. So it's Stet, Daniel Jose Older, who wrote Last Shot and, of course, is writing The High Republic Adventures and the next junior novel in The High Republic. So he's got tons of Star Wars stuff coming up. Uh, Wes, how about you? Go to one of your five. All right. One of my top five is the very first story of the book, Eyes of the Empire. Ooh, nice um, choice. I thought that, so basically, I'll give you a little synopsis of the story. Um, I describe this person as a probe droid observation analyst. Her name is Mela, and she works for Project Swarm, where basically they observe everything that the probe droids, wherever they get, wherever they land to when they're looking for the rebels, what they see out of their eyes. So they're looking for rebels or remnants of rebels or some type of um, activity where they would send it up the chain of command, tell them, hey, there's rebel activity here. Let's go check it out. Um, so she um, she grew up with her mother was a uh, was an engineer for these probe droids. And then she grew up and got a job with the Empire as a probe droid observation analyst. And then she um, she moved into a position where she just watches probe droids visions and what they see and one landed on Hoth. And so they sent that information up to Admiral Pete and he was, he, that's when they sent everybody down. They basically cut it from there to two days later. And while everybody's sleeping, she goes and sends, uh, or she goes and checks the, another probe droid that's still alive, still, um, still in working order on Hoth and she sees the destruction left behind. She sees all the dead bodies of the rebels, all the dead bodies of the Imperials, the dead Tauntauns, and she's like, "This is probably the worst thing that I've ever done." Because if I didn't said any, if I'd have said something, then this wouldn't have happened. This destruction. Yeah, um, that, was, that was a good one. That was a great. Yeah, the, the kicker of the story was one of the probe droids lands on a uh, lands on an asteroid, but it breaks, and all you can see is one view. And they're like, "Let's not even look at it." And then one landed on a swamp land. 
And oh, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't you would not you would not look twice, but she's she looked around and she said she saw a submerged X Wing mm-hmm. and she saw this and said that was remnants of the rebels, but if she would have seen something, then more destruction would come their way. So this is when she decided that she would not send this up the chain of command. She was probably going to turn into a rebel spy. And that's what I was thinking at the end of this. And she deleted the footage. Excellent. So if she had sent that information back up to the chain of command, somebody, the empire would have been on Dagobah and this whole Skywalker saga may never have happened is and they get that the the first story of the book. It's great. That's one of my favorite things about these kind of anthologies is that you're able to put in these linchpin characters, right? That shows you like the life is really made of, of singular moments and, and people making singular decisions sometimes. And to start the book off with something this, frankly, this dark of like someone witnessing slaughter and realizing their part in it and accountability. I think set a really cool tone for the whole collection. Oh, yeah. It totally did. Yeah, I really like the... Yeah. We got a lot of... Uh, there were a lot of rebel slash imperial stories in this where they would kind of go back and forth, like of kind of realizing that it's all for nothing and stuff. I really like those stories in this. That was good. Yeah. That was really good, good stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I also really appreciate that those types of stories really take you into exactly what the project is of like this is a Mm -hmm. short story format of these unique background characters that like you kind of need to know the movie pretty well to get it right so like Mm -hmm. yeah i i I love this stuff it expands the universe that's that's the coolest stuff about the expanded universe so good choice good choice percent uh cory hit us with one of yours um, I am going to go with, I think we're all sort of choosing stuff that we really like, but maybe not our like absolute favorite. I mean, I know we said this is kind of out uh-huh. of order. Um, I'm going to go with a naturalist on Hoth by Hank Green. Yeah. Hank Green. Yeah. That was uh, such an interesting <laughs> story. The, the premise is, uh, this guy is like a, he's from a rich family and he was a nerd and went to college and was like really into biology and botany and all this stuff and just got he, like totally disgusted by what happened on Alderaan and ended up joining the Rebel Alliance. Uh, And he is tasked with, like, helping to identify planets and stuff that would be suitable bases for, like, the Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Um, And they go to to Hoth and have this, like, adventure on Hoth of, like, figuring out, like, how to survive on the planet. And it's really, really good stuff. Like, I really enjoyed that story. And it's fun because, like, Hank Green, if... uh if you followed Hank for a while, like I followed him for over a decade through Vlog Brothers and through a lot of he does the Crash Course science shows and does podcasts and he's a decently noted scientist guy and and uh, the fact that he got to do a story all about a scientist in Star Wars is something fun and something that is completely unique to him and his knowledge. And I think yeah, that's another cool absolutely. thing about the collection. You can tell all these writers are writing from their hearts about like yeah. if I was in Star Wars or what I want to see in Star Wars is this. And I think this might have been the most emblematic of that. I thought really so too. Because of what I know about him, and, and mm. it's it's really cool to sort of get the perspective that uh, it's not just all about blasters and and yeah. killing each other, and like mm-hmm. there are scientists that have to help the rebellion in their own way. And there was a lot of commentary about that of different people in the rebellion finding their importance. That was sort of a recurring theme in a lot of stories of like every everybody has a role, and it's really cool to see that kind of stuff. So Dude, I loved it. It was one of my favorite time. stories. And they, and oh, they were yes. worried they were going to yeah. freeze to death. And he, like, just basically relied on his, like, scientific knowledge. That was sick. It was so sick. So sick. And Loved science it. rules. Bill Nye was science right. Science does <laughs> Science is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, uh, Bill, 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 Bill. 
Well, Sorry. I'll go to the complete other end um, of that. Uh, I, I'm going to pick the story for my first one. The story that I, I honestly couldn't stop thinking about from the time I read it to the time I finished the collection. And that is uh, Kendall by Charles Yu. Um, this is the story of now how Adm- Admiral Ozel. I said Ozel last time. I think I made fun of. Um, Admiral Ozzel, as he's being choked out by Vader. And it's such a cool device because Charles, you writes it in a way that, that takes us through what your last memories would be. Like, oh, this sucks. I, wait, am I not breathing? I thought I was breathing. Am I not breathing? And then goes into these memories mixed with visions a little bit because it is, he, he's losing track of what's real and what's not. And thinking about his career. And like it, it's this really fascinating look at death. And also in, um, you know, kind of regrets here. Uh, sorry, Andrew Bell in the chat says, literally read the first line, and I will. Also <laughs> had a few regrets. Not only because he was, at the moment, getting force choked by the big guy himself, although that was certainly part of it. <laughs> like, it, it right, it's, it's funny. Also, this book is really funny. I want to say it that. Is. Um, it is yeah. really humorous. There's, there's a lot of comedy in this story, but there's Speak, also speaking just... of comedy, the uh, the image mm-hmm. of the how the book opens of his 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 mustache. His mustache. The only thing that's white. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's that. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, <laughs> but this one really just kind of hit me in a surprisingly emotional way, where I'm like, you know, we see these guys and oh, they get choked out by Vader, Baja, and then we move. But it's kind of. This guy had a life, and this guy had a childhood, and this guy had a family, and and it's like, oh, right. You know, it kind of brings that all down to earth, and we as readers know that it's too late for him to get any of that back. It's too late to make any of that right, because he's going to die. So, like, as a reader, you can't help him. Yeah. And there is a weird feeling of that, but this one hit me. I really thought it was super well-written. And just, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. So I, that, is, I that is why I picked it, put it in my top five. It was beautifully sad. And him trying to uh, figure out who the kid was that he was, like, running up oh. the mountain with or whatever. And then, at, mm-hmm. you know, he oh, eventually yeah. realizes, wait, that was just, like, me as a child. That was incredible. And I will say, not to turn this into another uh, Living Force, like, medical episode, but that's not, like, uncommon to see people you know, become delirious like that and to think that their old loved ones are around when they're really not and things like that. So it actually kind of hit me really where it counts too, because I've seen that a lot and and I could, you know, I could really kind of extrapolate that into real life. And it was, it was incredibly done. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Really agree. Good Huge choice. Fan. Uh, Charles, take us to the next one. Off of that, see if if it's another sad one, we'll yeah. just kind of stay well, in this I will place. Say but... Kendall was going to be <laughs> in my top five, um, <laughs> but I will I'll pick another one and I'll just second that. Uh, and it has got to be Rendezvous Point by Jason Fry. So this was essentially Rogue Squadron, uh, all of the old Legends books, just in a short story. It was. Um, <laughs> it, it, except, was it short? This yeah, was a long story. I yeah. thought about that. I this, would be, this read like an audition to write a Rogue Squadron book. I'm not even going to lie. It totally did. I would be interested to to hear kind of like some of these some of these people had to be told, you know, you got to shorten this a little bit. And then some of these people had to, they just had to be let loose, I guess. And, and Jason Fry was one of them. It was incredible. It was basically the... The story of Rogue Squadron after Hoth and how they had to form from a bunch of people who would not really be your first choice, uh, but it was all all that the rebellion had, and it's who they had to rely on. And um, it really, I think, captured the obviously the spirit of the rebellion, but also the spirit of 
uh, Rogue Squadron that we see from the old Legends series where, you know, you do lose people in this story. You, you do see the real cost of war and you really do see how uh, behind the eight ball the rebellion is against the Empire. And uh, the fact yeah. that you could go through all of those emotions and portray all of those different plot points in, I don't know, give or take a 30-page short story, I was really blown away. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. totally back it, all it, that it really stuff felt, up. Yeah. It felt the most like the old X-Wing books, for sure. I mean... Yeah, it did. And honestly, we, we get a lot of really good Rogue stuff in this book. Like, there were at least three, I think, if I remember correctly, three stories about Rogue Squadron pilots, right? We had Rendezvous Point. We had Against All mm -hmm. Odds. That was about <laughs> Dak, right? That's yeah. He's technically in Rogue yep. Squadron, too, right? Yeah, Dak. And, and then Zev, the Rogue 2. That was <laughs> that one? That was I was just going to say... and. In the chat here, we got a couple questions. Uh, any love for Rogue Two? So I'm gonna take, I'm gonna cheat here and say Rogue Two was gonna be one I was gonna bring up, but we'll just. Uh, John brought that one up. So yes, loved Perfect. loved the Zev Sineska <laughs> story. I loved them all betting and kind of like yeah. that that pilot camaraderie. Also, we got another inside baseball thing from Tom that said everyone was asked to try to hit 2,000 words. Jason Fry asked specifically, "quote What's the max length?" and then wrote the longest. <laughs> <laughs> so you were right on the money there, Charles. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. And Spice Den also asked, do we think Jason Fry is going to be a story consultant on the new movie? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know if they consult hmm. the authors. It's a good question. I'd, That'd be cool could, to bring one of them yeah, in, though, write just to see how it works. That's for sure. Give him a cameo. Yeah, I would, <laughs> yeah, I would say I think that generally they're going to let Patty Jenkins do what she wants and then edit around rather than saying, here's the characters you need to use. Yeah, totally. What about an expanded you edition know. novelization, though, by Jason Fry? Yeah, so he did Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. That's true. That's true. Fair enough. Uh, Great poll, Charles. Cool, cool. I love it. I will just dive into yeah. my, my next one, and I think this one was probably my favorite story in the entire book, which was Tooth and Claw. Um, yes. by, uh, yeah, that was a good Michael, one. That was such a good Michael one. Michael Kage, is that how you say their name? I, I tried. Eric gave us specific homework that we had to learn how to pronounce all the author's names. Is it Kogi? Damn it. Uh, he gave us homework <laughs> that we had to learn how to pronounce all the authors, and I, I literally have tried for the last, like, like 10 minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce it and I can't find it anywhere. So Kogi, Michael Kogi, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Forgive me for my ignorance. This one was uh, narrated by Mark Thompson. And uh, I think it was narrated by Mark. I hope, I hope I'm saying that. I hope that's who it was now that I'm remembering. This was an unbelievable audiobook experience. Like, so good. It, it wasn't Mark Thompson. I want to I clarify that first. Do you guys know? I don't know. I think it was. I think it was Mark. I'm pretty sure it was Mark Thompson. The mm -hmm. portrayal of all of the Trandoshans in this book, uh, in the audiobook, was like next level. Like the hisses <laughs> and the 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 sound effects. Like it was so good. The clinking of the claws against a metal floor. Like it was sick like it felt like on a different level than everything else and the story was really really good i've always really liked bosk and i've wondered what the hell he's been up to since his uh his old running with boba days which we got a little bit of a look at in some other stories in this mm -hmm. book so um really cool he kind of faces off against uh uh what he thinks is a wookie um like 
there's a bad bounty on a Wookiee that's like kind of responsible for helping other Wookiees escape uh, chain, for, like, yeah, from the, the Empire chain and breaker. stuff. Chainbreaker, great name by the yeah. way. Uh, turns oh, out yeah. not to be a Wookiee. I won't I won't spoil the 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 big reveal in that story because I want you guys to go read it. But it is it's it's really really good. Um, and we get a lot of look into like what Wookiee ships are like, and they have like trees and they're made of wood. Oh, and I love yeah, that. God, it was love so that. good. It was yeah. so good. I had that as one of my honorable mentions just because Boss said the line. The Wookiees in their damn trees. <laughs> I am 100% that was agree. in there. It, it was, it was oh, in my top man. three, Fantastic. maybe my top two as well, Corey, just to throw another one of mine out there. Because remember, guys, fun yeah. fact, in high school, I had a leopard gecko named Bosk, and I somehow that's still right. had a date to prom. Oh, wow, that's that is, right. I yeah, love Bosk. Well, I'm glad in it. Andrew brought up in the comments he wants a, a the he most wants a follow up to Tooth and Claw of all the stories yes. right. I totally I totally agree. Um like mm-hmm. and you know one one minor spoiler that I will give away is that the Chainbreaker makes a deal with Boss and Boss sort of agrees not to hunt Wookiees anymore. So um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's real, if that's gonna be followed up on, if he's just lying through his teeth. It wasn't really really said and uh uh yeah, yeah. Tom in the chat tells us, tells us only Mark could pull it off, and yeah, okay. That's what that's what I thought. Yeah. I just I didn't yeah. want to I didn't want to yeah. give him the Confirmed. credit. Confirmed, it was Mark. If it wasn't him, but oh man, yeah. such a good story, such a good story. Love that one, Wes. What about you? What do you got next? Alrighty, so um, going back to what I had said earlier, um, so hearing the narrator of this next story instantly made me put it in my top five. So Sam Witwer narrated, narrated the disturbance. He did marinate marinated. the crap he out of He marinated my ears. Sure as hell did. Oh, my goodness. Sam Witwer read the disturbance by Mike Chin. Um, and it, if Sam Witwer is the voice of Darth Maul in The Clone Wars and in Rebels, so once you hear his voice, you're like, oh, that's awesome. I know exactly who that is. And, I mean, who better than to... Than to do a story about the dark side and about the Sith and Palpatine. Um, so basically, this is a story about uh, Palpatine's point of view and him having uh, a Force vision or having meditating um, under the old Jedi Temple in Coruscant. So he's he's meditating and he sees or he he feels somebody's dream or like a Force vision or somebody's somebody's vision. Um, basically of him um, in his quarters or in his office, and he sees a hooded figure um, that comes into his office, and then he sees a doppelganger of himself that shows up. And eventually there is a fight that breaks out, and the hooded figure uh, slays him or kills him. And um, he sees another person, but first he hears him say... um, he says, you have done well. And then they, the hooded figure removes the, the cloak, and it ends up being Luke, Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't know exactly who that is. He just sees some sandy-haired boy that's, that's uh, down on his knees. And then he sees Vader come show up. And it's not the Vader of old. He says it's, um, let's have it written down here. Uh, yeah, Palpatine is viewing Anakin Skywalker as he had once lived before the suit of armor. So he talks about how he sees the how he sees the scar over his eye and then it's not just Vader and Luke um as the new master and apprentice if you will. Um it is 
It is Vader with Padme, and they're looking out over a sea, or over a sky filled with star destroyers. So they're looking out over their new empire, like he expressed in Your Episode new Three. Empire? <laughs> yeah, he, I, I, he, I, he like totally like sort of like made fun of uh, made fun of Vader. He was like. Uh, yeah. he, he was yes. like, of course, yes. this is his delusion. Like, it was yes. so uh, good. That was one of my favorite stories. I was actually going to probably go with that one next if nobody else <laughs> did. Uh, and the fact that Sam Witwer did it, uh, did the narration, yeah, 100%. was next level. What? One of the big things that, that caught me was, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, says there's a disturbance in the Force. Mm-hmm. So we think the disturbance in the Force is just Luke coming to age yeah, yeah. and realizing his Jedi yeah. powers. But from what I read, the disturbance in the Force is Vader trying to keep Luke a secret. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's, he's like so figured keeps, it out, and he doesn't want the yeah. Emperor to know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what kind of made me go, "Holy crap! This is uh, definitely part of my top five. Yeah. And Sam Witwer. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> awesome now, choice. Sam Witwer also did the. Uh, did he do the? Um, oh, what are the what are they? The Wampa story was that Sam Witwer too? I believe so. I think it was. He did a couple. Yes, he did a couple, mm-hmm. and I think the other one I stood out to me was the Wampa story, which by itself wasn't as much of my favorite story itself. But like the with it with the narration, it was it was up there too. Yeah. it was really yeah. good as well. Yep. Sam was an all timer. Love him. Um, my you- next one I'm going to put up is one that I actually kind of started to mention earlier, and this is going to be uh, Vergence by Tracy Dion. This oh. is the story of, of and from the point of view of the cave on Dagobah. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Very this is fascinating. An, a crazy good story. And I bring this up, one, because I love the perspective. It's so unique and wild. But two, because selfishly it introduced me to Tracy Dion, the author, who, as I said earlier, wrote a book called Legendborn, which I highly recommend. It's a, a great fantasy uh, novel that came out this year. But this story... The the send cadence is unlike anything I've read. Like the way the cave speaks, I get which it's again it's, it's such a weird way to describe it. The Dagobah cave describes the force and describes all the people and and beings that have come onto the planet and come inside it to 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 witness visions and witness things about the universe and 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 like the, the the cave speaks like they enter my realm they're mine i slither around them and 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 tell them their fears and it's it's such a cool way to talk about one of the trippiest parts of the empire strikes back because that that cave scene is absolutely mind blowing i remember the first time i watched it as a kid you're like is this magical realism <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it, it gets crazy, and in reading this, you're like, oh, this cave has been doing this for forever. It talks about Yoda mm-hmm. arriving to Dagobah, and Yoda's trials with the cave, yeah. and what happened with all it's that. Like, long have they came coming. and visited my cave, and I've shown them yeah, visions. Yoda goes there on purpose, like, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was amazing. He's and, the first one to come back multiple yeah. times. Yeah, and the cave <laughs> talks about a dance and like how it is a dance between the two of them for years mm-hmm. and years, and how they work in 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 like kind of symbiosis together. And it's it is unlike anything I've ever read, and probably ever will read again in a Star Wars book. And it it's just a really cool, creepy description of this scene that was already weird. And it is now added, like you said, Corey, it's expanded the universe even more in my head about that scene, more than maybe any other story in this book. Yeah. So absolutely. Much love for Virgins. Yeah, that was So the cave the cave itself, is it 
Is there a gnarled tree that has like its roots going around the cave, like as the entrance, or is the cave just like a like a hollowed out tree? I don't know. I couldn't really what get into it? it either. I think it's kind of like kind of confused me. Because like, it yeah. says, um, "What is a cave?" Yeah, he said, "Remember is... your failure at the cave," and he goes, "Yoda means me." Yeah. Does yeah. that mean it's an actual the... cave? I want to know what it is. I yeah. want to know what the physical thing. It's a, it, it's a it's a presence of the force within a realm that defies the physical. Wes, come on, grow up. Um, <laughs> all right, Charles, you next, my friend. Okay, uh, you guys have, have taken so many good ones, but there's one that no one's mentioned yet that I have to bring up, and it is Delilah S. Dawson's "She Will Keep Them Warm." And oh yes, this yes. Oh, yeah. I have never, so I never thought I would care about tauntauns like this. Okay, I really, really <laughs> didn't. I mean, I've always thought tauntauns were cool, made like the world's mer- most annoying noise ever. Like they literally <laughs> make the noise that your sibling would make in your ear in the back seat on like a, a ride, you know, hours away, cross country trip. But, it was so good. So we learn about essentially. This is telling the story of one Tauntaun in particular, uh, the pack named, leader. Yeah, the pack leader named uh, Mura. I think is how you say it. That's how I read it. Um, and she's basically like an older uh, female Tauntaun that that yeah is kind of the leader of the group that got captured by the rebels and, and was kind of made to help them. And we learn that it was actually uh, Mura's daughter who uh, Luke took out whenever he was doing his scouting and ends up get, getting caught out there. And Mura is losing her mind because she knows that, you know, if Luke doesn't come back, it's her, her daughter that's not coming back. And she really wants to get out there and go find her. So uh, we, we learn all this cool stuff about, like, Tauntaun hierarchy. And, like, she gets yeah, challenged. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she gets, like, challenged. And she's in, like, a fight ring for a second. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yep. and, uh, and ultimately, she's, like, basically... Uh, kind of lets it be known that like she wants to be the one to get out there. She has a beautiful moment with with Leia, and then she goes out to find her daughter. Mm-hmm. And and sadly, we know what happens with that. Um, but yeah, I just I never I, I will never be able to watch that scene the same way Absolutely. again. And and that yeah. is just the point yeah. of this book. Like it was amazing. Yeah, you see new things from new new perspectives. Yeah, like uh, something else that I'm never going to be able to look at the same either is the the guy. I, what's the what's the story? I don't want to. I think it's a good kiss. That's what it was. A good kiss by yeah. C. B. Lee of that story. And like we yep, see him yep. in the he see him in the film. He's the guy that cuts between Han and Leia because he's like the runner and running things around yeah. all the time. He yep. cuts between. He's like, oh, <laughs> damn it, these people again. They're always yelling at each other all the time. Like it's like. <laughs> Can't you do this somewhere else in this tiny little hallway? It was hilarious. I'm never yeah. going to be able to see this. And he's in the middle so. of his, yeah, because he's in the middle of his own love story now. And I'm like, oh, yes. and he gets people out. So I'm it's like, great. Yeah, I yeah. love him. That was really good. Really, really good. I'm not, yeah. I, that's not my choice, though. I want to. I want to. I want right, right. to use my slot for another one. <laughs> All right, great. Well, great choice, Charles. Uh, Dolly Dawson, obviously, always hitting, always hitting home runs. Absolutely. Uh, Corey, we'll get you. Uh, what what is your next slot then? Uh, my next slot is there. I mean, fake it till you make it by Kevin Scott. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad <laughs> yes. someone said this uh, one. Fake it till you make Jackson? it is about Jackson the rabbit, famous, <laughs> famous <laughs> character. Not actually a rabbit, but he looks like a rabbit. He's basically a rabbit. He was colloquially referred to as Jackson the rabbit in Legends for the longest time. Um, and uh, this character was brought back. Shout out to Kevin Scott for doing such an incredible job of this characterization um, in the audiobook. It's 
not one of those stories that really shined as a as an audiobook too because uh, the the vocal cadence and that sort of thing of the way that uh jackson was performed was was fantastic he's a male uh leppy i think is how you say it which leppy yep. looks just like yeah. a rabbit uh apparently him and <laughs> him and uh lando go way back and he's still a little rough around the edges but also like highly incompetent so like basically daffy duck except a freaking smuggler and he's terrible at it uh and he sort of has a, a heartwarming story of turning away from his ways and helping people escape from cloud city and it's a it's a story that makes you feel really really good and i the last line the last line of uh of the book is like if it's good enough for lando it's good enough for me and he's talking about like like helping helping people and going clean and i was just like oh man this just feel good i like this story like it's, it was good it was good and also yeah. It also really clarified, I, I don't think it really meant to do this, but it also really clarified a lot of Lando's story of, like, mm-hmm. he is actually legitimate, and he is a legitimate businessman. He has really turned away from all of his smuggler yep. stuff, and all that is sort of talked about, like, but you never, never really know, watching Empire, if Lando is really clean, like, or if it's all just kind of a hustle. But no, he's, he's right. really clean, and uh, that's the story sort of reveals that, so I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I like this one especially because I, I don't think I've ever read a story written with more love for the character than Kevin Scott with Jackson. Like, when we talked to him two years ago, he said, I hope my legacy is being able to introduce Jackson to a whole new generation yeah. of fans. And he has clearly wow. carried that torch for years. And he did. I mean, Kevin, you did it, man. Like, yeah, you're the voice of Jackson for this generation and how special that must feel to be able to bring a, a, a character you loved as a child into the 40th anniversary collection of maybe the most beloved Star Wars movie ever. And he did it with Jackson. That's just so cool. Hmm. I love that story. Fantastic. Spice Dan right. pointed out in the chat that he said he put he put him in three different stories this year, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Jackson Defense Squad. Put him in the next movie. Put him in Rogue Squadron, Patty. All right, <laughs> Wes, <laughs> get your next story in here. Be a great Black Series figure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, my next story is, I might have st- stolen this from probably all of you and most notably Charles, um, but my next story is There Is Always Another by Mackenzie Lee. There it is. Um, so this is basically um, Obi-Wan's point of view from when Luke is on Dagobah with, uh, with Yoda and he's about to leave Obi-Wan. Um, to go help his friends. So what it, it, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of humor in this story, and there's what what I saw was a lot of uh, a lot of I guess compare and contrast between him and his and his father Anakin. Yeah. So that's so they were he would go back and forth. Said Anakin was like this, but Luke is like this. Um, one particular said one particular point is that with Anakin, it was thoughts of his mother, then thoughts of Padme, then Ahsoka, then Obi Wan, all of that loss, and then with Luke, it was his friends Han and Leia. But his heart was already laying down the roots that he, and he doesn't know why. And I was like, "Wow, that's really powerful." Yeah. Um, but then there was a lot of there was a lot of humor that was put into this, and uh, one of the funniest parts was whenever they uh, Obi Wan was talking about how he had to, he he was tasked with with training Anakin, and uh, he said, "And yes, there was Mace Windu who scowled at everyone <laughs> like that." He said, "Everyone Mace scowled at everyone like that though." And he did have a particular scout just for Anakin. And I was like, oh, Mace Windu, man. They're really giving it to you. Even the authors are telling you that you, <laughs> need, like, to, we you, knew need, it. To, you need to perk up a little bit. 
that was and, great. Uh, yeah. And then the the last one was if if it were Anakin sent to Dagobah by a ghost, he would have he would have stormed out of that hut complaining and try and probably walked off the planet if he could. <laughs> so there is a lot of there's a lot of humor in this one that I appreciated. All right, Charles, as our resident uh, Obi Wan fan, you, t- you said this was your most anticipated story. What did you think about uh, getting old Ben back? It was, yeah, it was really nice. I mean, uh, again, anytime you can link kind of across the trilogies now, especially in hindsight, that's something really special. And, and seeing old Ben, old Force Ghost Ben, thinking back to his time with Anakin, you know, because you look back at the dialogue from the original trilogy when he talks about Luke's father, and they didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Like, they, they just didn't. But now <laughs> getting, getting these links, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, really, really good time. Obviously, any more Obi Wan we can get, we love. Uh, very solid. Um, I want to take. I want to go back. I, I friend weirdly, we're talking a lot about a lot of Hoth stories, but there was just, there were a lot of good ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to go back to one called "Against All Odds" by R.F. Quang, mm-hmm. which is the story of Dak. And this one, much like Kendall, stuck with me because of just the emotional intensity of it. Because we all know Dak Ralter, you know, he could take on the Empire himself, and he's, he's all joyous, and then he dies. And yeah. <laughs> this story, I thought, <laughs> Poor guy. it was pretty short, but I learned so much about Dak, learned why he's a good shot, which was, I'm not going to spoil that, very kind of I have no approach vector. I'm not set. Yeah. But you see this guy that's like, I want to help the Rebellion, and I want to make up for the, you know, the, the sadness of my past, and I want to do all these things. And then, hello, we, Andrew. We, Sorry to interrupt. F for Dak, 100 bits. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah, F's in the chat for Dak, everybody. Um, but we see, like, we witness the death, and the the lines are so good. Like, it happens so quickly. Dak doesn't have time to hurt, and it ends though, it with us hearing the scene we know, hearing Luke's dialogue from Dak as he's like fading out. But then it ends really well. He says, "But Luke's going to be fine." The rebels will get off Hoth. They'll escape the Imperial fleet. They'll find another hideout. Like, he keeps talking about how the rebellion's going to survive, and he dies with such peace. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah. That is really, <laughs> it's a really beautiful way of talking about death, I think. In, in it these was. books that are, that, there's a lot of death in this book, in these movies, in this saga. But Dax now turns from one of like, oh, Luke can't get him out. Luke can't get him out. Uh, to, oh, no, that's right. good. Dak dies knowing the rebellion's going to be fine because they, w- they just will. And he's made up for the fact that he had to, like, do horrible things in his past as a kid. And now he gets to yeah. be part of a good moral victory and just really, really beautiful stuff. Uh, you know, watching Empire, because you guys know I have insomnia all the time. I watch Empire a couple times a month, literally all the time, because it mm-hmm. just, I just like put my brain on a record, record player. And there are a few characters in all of the original trilogy that I see, every time I see them on screen, I really think about them a lot. And like, I really like, have this sort of meta relationship with this character I'm like who is this person what are they doing like what is their story and like Dak for some reason is always a character I really get hung up on when I'm watching Empire so to finally get his story told was incredibly satisfying I mean it's like, a character in a movie about how the Empire is incredibly overpowered who says he feels like he could take on the whole Empire by himself yes you gotta right. think about that kind of interesting, like how did he become Luke's co-pilot and all that type of stuff was all really cool stuff that like 
had wanted to know and, and I got. And um, sort of related to that point, I'm not sure if you guys learned anything new about the film. Like, obviously, we all learn things about the film. But, like, did you see anything in the like from the book that you learned that you didn't realize, that you didn't know about the film? Because the one big one that stood out to me, I cannot believe I didn't realize this. To this day, I've always thought that Rogue Two was Wedge Antilles. I don't know why. I've always thought it was. It's obviously not the same well, actor. It's Zev Sineska. It's Zev Sineska. I never thought that. I've never, it's never, I don't know why I've always thought that, but I was like, holy oh, shit, ever. that is not Wedge? How have I been, I, I own a Star Wars company for Christ's sake. I didn't know it wasn't a Wedge. Like, it was, well, it was kind of a slap in the face. I don't, I don't know how well, I, I didn't say, notice it. I'm also glad you brought that one up because we mentioned this story earlier, but I also love the, the reasoning behind that. The fact that he's Rogue 2 because there won't be a Rogue 1. That's right. Because that they was need so to respect good. them all. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That was really good. Uh, That's lo- incredible. Oh, God. So cool. Absolutely love those. Um, I think we're, Chris, I think we're, who's, I think we're almost out me. of stuff. I have one more that I, I want to give. Yeah, let's I do give a, a mention for. Let's have everyone do, everyone do one okay, more. Okay. Uh, let's go around the whole room. Time. Charles, okay. one more. Right. Do you, you guys want to be... Uh, there's so many I can name. You want to be sad or do you want to be yeah. happy? Both at the same time. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm going to pick the one that I think maybe uh, fewer of you might might pick. So maybe you'll choose the other one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick. But what does he eat? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm so right, glad good, you chose that one. Because I was gonna one. choose that I need one. To, I need to look at the author. If one of y'all has it handy, tell me. Uh, yeah. Um, it is. I gotta find that out. It's S A. Where is it? S A. Chakraborty. Yes. Thank you. It is. It, this one should not have been good. No, like as it was. Okay, <laughs> like it's a weird pitch. It is a weird pitch, and it opens up, and you read the title, and it says, "But what does he eat?" And then you just sit there for a second, and then you go, "But what does he eat?" Like, <laughs> and it, we've joked about this on the show before, like Vader, like shoveling spaghetti or whatever through his little ventilator. But right, <laughs> but like. <laughs> But, like, this story was hilarious. So, essentially, the premise is, you know, obviously, uh, whenever they try to ambush Luke and, and Han and Leia on, or I guess it's really just Han and Leia on uh, on Cloud City at the dinner where Vader's sitting at the dinner table. And he says, we'd be honored if you would join us, etc. It's about the chef who is asked to cook that dinner. Okay, which mm-hmm. is like, what? First of all, who comes up with that? But... I, it, it's such a good story because it's not just about her cooking this meal for Vader. It's about her realizing the consequences of this meal and the opportunity that she actually has as like this incredibly skilled chef to uh, like secretly poison Vader and like take him out. And which of co- I can't believe we didn't think awesome. of that before this story. I've never thought of that. I know. And I'm like, oh, of course you would. Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah, you? Like Vader totally must have a stormtrooper taste tester. Like back in the day when the kings would have someone try their meal. <laughs> oh first my god! Yeah, to make sure it's not poison. But but no, and it was it was really cool. And she had a, like an Ugnot sous chef who helped her out, mm-hmm. and they had some really great back and forth. And you know we know that that meal doesn't really happen ultimately but and it was, also she's a she's a devronian and is pretty yes. immune to to, to, to poison mm-hmm. they pointed yes. that out just like yep. like uh just like the devronian was immune to the fire in uh in mandalorian last season yeah. you remember yep yeah because yeah, they're that's demons pretty cool in details <laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> they're demons, demons yeah. <laughs> gonna bring oh, demons yeah. Out yeah, on me? Was, <laughs> yes yeah that was great man especially and ending it on that weird note of like what is my duty as as a person like should I try to kill this 
fascist leader. Like, it, even though it might harm me, but is that, like, morally, am I supposed to do this? And it kind of takes this funny premise and puts it in this kind of bigger metatextual question, you know, of, of philosophically, is this my my responsibility? Yeah, so what, I, really, what is the rebellion? Is it, uh, is it flying yeah. an X-Wing or is it that mindset, you know? Yep. Also, great choice, man. The, my my only choice. minor complaint is that we didn't actually answer the question. <laughs> nope. And, Very true. And I kept waiting to find out how he does it, and we didn't find out. And I'm kind of mad. I'm not going right, to lie. Waiting for Tom, I'm waiting for Tom to say that if you get a magnifying glass on the last page and you look at like the bottom right edge, it just says mashed potatoes in like point five font. <laughs> also, speaking of things, we this isn't this isn't this doesn't count as mine. Uh, speaking of, we'd never find that out, right? You said, um, in the Roro Hood story, it was fun. We don't find out what's in yeah, the Yeah, what's in the damn box? I want to know what's in the <laughs> box. I can't, I can't believe it. I'm so and mad. You, that's, I can't believe we didn't find that out. Said some questions shouldn't be I'm answered. I'm glad they didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Maybe the mystery is it. But oh, I was like, I, I really thought. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, Wes, yeah. what's your, what's your last one? I'm almost happy they didn't tell us. Anyways, okay, so quickly. Um, my, oh, damn it. Hold on. Sorry. What, <laughs> what, Tom had a good look at What Vader eats is in the box, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> oh, it all God. makes sense. All right, go ahead, Wes. Okay, really quick. Um, my last one is This Is No Cave by Catherine M. Valente. I'm so glad you picked that one, too. <laughs> yeah, I, this oh. one is really good. Because we all thought that it. giant sandworm on the asteroid was a predator and it was an asshole and that it was just trying to eat them and it would have ruined our heroes for the entirety of the movie, if not the sequel. But in all actuality, Ugh. this sandworm well, had it in had the Millennium um, Falcon asteroid worm. In its, Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sandworm. Like, like asteroid in, worm? Interuniversal <laughs> being. Like space yeah. worm. No, it's not even a space worm, right? Anyways, let's say asteroid worm. Um, had it in its mouth, and it was, in all actuality, it was changing its biology, I guess, to help yep. help the help Han and Leia and Chewie survive. <laughs> so instead of them having to wear their masks, they were he was changing the inside of its stomach so they could breathe regular mm-hmm. air, and he would he would basically be a part of the, of him for the rest of their lives or whatever. Yeah. And, and like then it, it sang the song of the universe. It, did. it, and was, like, it was really oh meta. Oh my God. Him so wanting strange. to show off the butterflies like he called them in his stomach. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone made fun of him. It just cut to the heart of me. It was. was it, like, was. <laughs> it was. It was heartbreaking. I love and Sayo the it, Space Worm. It really felt, it really yeah, felt like Sayo. that episode of, uh, of Futurama where Bender like meets God like out in the, in the cosmos is this crazy light being thing that controls everything like that's what the asteroid worm is that's it yep. also <laughs> i have to say that now when i get a tummy ache I, there's no way i'm not going to be able to think about having an atmosphere in my belly so <laughs> <laughs> you just have to make it good then, for the food that's right and at the very end it says that the millennium falcon left it, it left like jet stains on the inside of his teeth and i was like oh man and it hurt him on the way out too damn (laughs) poor buddy damn poor buddy (laughs) he was just trying he was just trying to provide he was trying to be a provider 
Yeah. Anyways, that was my last great one. Great choice. I like that one a lot. <laughs> great, great choices, guys. Corey, my la- last my one. My last one is going to be Wait For It by Zoretta Cordova, which is the Boba Fett story. Oh, um, John Hamm. Yeah, yeah. Great, uh, <laughs> great, great story. <laughs> really, really enjoyed this one. Like, one of my favorite lines is, uh, is when he... Like when they're all lined up and uh, he's like greeting, you know, these guys that he works with occasionally or like he comes across. It's like running into your coworkers and he comes across Bosk and Bosk says, Boba. Bosk hissed in greeting. How many times was he supposed to tell the old Trandoshan that it was Fett or Boba Fett? He wasn't no little kid anymore. Sure, they had history. <laughs> Probably would be the closest thing he had to a friend if he actually wanted a friend. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 the reason I want to the reason Real I want to bring badass. up that, that that line is because in uh, in one of the in the in the episode of Bounty Hunt talking about the portrayal of Boba Fett in The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. we talked about how in uh in Legends and Canon, Boba Fett has seen so many different portrayals as a character. Uh like he's he's right. been this annoying little kid in Clone Wars, he's been this mm-hmm. violent, ruthless killer in the Bounty Hunter in the Bounty Hunters comic. He's been this sort of father-like figure in some of the old Legends stuff. Um and this was a really good, I felt like tie-in to sort of all the different portrayals of Boba Fett we've seen because that angry little kid is still in the suit. Like, like he's still there. So, and we haven't really seen that. We've only seen this calm, cool and collected, like powerful Fett in empire. But like, we got to see this, this a little whiny, just a little more mature whiny Boba Fett, I think, in in this story, which I really appreciate it. I liked seeing it makes the transition from from Clone Wars Boba Fett to Empire Boba Fett less less harsh, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> no, I completely agree. Uh, that was, and it's a lot of fun because uh, Zoraida got to write Boba in the Clone Wars anthology earlier this year. I uh, got to write him here, so I think this is going to be a fun character maybe for her to continue on. Uh, before I give my last one, uh, Tom asked a question for the doctors. He wants to say, what do the doctors think of the story that apparently was written by an actual doctor? Uh, Lydia Kang wrote Right Hand Man, uh, which is the second yeah. to last story is about the medical droid actually written by a doctor. I didn't. So, guys. I didn't know, know that. Yeah, but I, it's, I, I it's on my list. They, they should have printed Dr. Lydia Kang. I didn't realize that was, that was uh, I, did, yeah. this, I did read this one. This was the medical one. Yeah, it's it's yep. on my list of yeah, loves, well, and there was something. Uh, there was one line in particular, and there's no way I'll be able to find it now. But uh, I, I read it, and I was like, "Wow, this person did their homework to actually have written that line." Uh, and yeah, now I know that she did her uh, yeah, her four years <laughs> of med school. Yeah, so um, really well done. And actually, outside of just the medical stuff, there was some really awesome interplay between like a droid's mindset and a, a, a force user's mindset and how they learned from each other. So I love that one. Uh, I also, I have to, I have to point out that this conversation is basically a conversation I have with patients every single day. I'm going to read it really fast. Commander Skywalker, oh, yeah, are you in pain? Two one B asked for the first time. The patient looked up pain. He asked as if he hadn't quite heard the droids words. Yes, I can certainly give you some painkillers. Commander Skywalker blinked and he looked down at the stump of his arm. I don't think they'll work on me. Why, of course they will. All humans and humanoids are sensible to our pharmacologics. No, thank you. Charles, we have that conversation every day of day not in about, the hospital. Not about painkillers. Not about painkillers. Not about Tylenol and ibuprofen. Have you tried some Tylenol and ibuprofen? <laughs> no, I don't think that works. The only thing that works is the duh, the di. Yeah, it starts, starts with, starts with, with the D. D. It's, it's uh, uh, di- dilated, I think. Yeah, that's the only one that works on me. So yeah, clearly yeah. a doctor. I don't know why oh I didn't God. realize that the first time around. <laughs> oh. that- I 
that's amazing. Now, and the thing is, this book enhances the movie. That story now enhances this book, which enhances the movie. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, I wanna I wanna bring this home. There's there's again there's so many other stories. If you haven't read this collection uh, as of yet, and you're liking this episode, trust me, there's we're only scratching the surface of of the really great stories in here. I'm gonna talk about Faith in an Old Friend by Brittany and Williams. That was my sad one. Which Heck is yeah. Yeah, it's the L. <laughs> it's the L three story. It yeah. Introduces, oh yeah, I forgot oh, that was what that one well, we was. It. I missed that when I went back through the list. I forgot that was the L three yeah. story. It's the Millennium Collective, which we because we find out you know the Falcon is comprised of three different, um, essentially souls, robotic souls or beings, and one of them's L three, and this takes us through kind of the Falcon getting to Cloud City, and the there's two parts that hit me the hardest. Number one is finding out that. The reason that the Falcon brings up Cloud City, Lando, huh, in the movie is because L3 puts Lando in front of Han because she misses right. him and wants to see him again. Just saying that out loud almost made me get misty. Um, but then, too, when Lando comes back into the Falcon, like, oh, my God, and he salutes the empty chair. Holy yeah. crap. I was oh. like, oh, my God. And, oh. and she put up the picture of Kessel, right? Yes. On the, and he, on like, the froze yeah. and was like, what? Yep. That, that was great great story excellent choice really <laughs> uh um really beautiful we should um we should really we should beautiful. probably throw out some honorable mentions for some of the ones that we didn't hit i'm just looking at here sure uh the man who built cloud city that's another one of my honorable mentions yep, that was a good uh, one where alexander freed writes about a guy who might be crazy mm-hmm. and might think he's the king and <laughs> uh again as probably speaking of very unique star wars stories <laughs> As far as they go, the uh, I love that the one. couple imperial stories against all odds um, by mm-hmm. uh, let's see here R. Did we already talk about that one? R- I guess we did. R.F. Quang, no, that's the Dak okay, one. Okay, no, yep. uh, sorry, not the Dak. Which mm-hmm. one is? Oh, I'm sorry, the Truest Duty is the one on my list. Sorry, by Christy Golden. Um, that one was really good. Yeah, um, is that? Oh yeah, Veers. That's about General Veers. Yeah, that one was really good. I really enjoyed that one. Doesn't he talk about like Vader's helmet going down? He can see he actually yeah. saw like the scars on that Vader's cool. face. Yep. That was cool. That was a good um, one. I, I also liked um, Amara Kell's rules for Tie Pilot Survival, probably by Django Wexler. Yeah, it was super mm-hmm. sarcastic. I really Very enjoyed it. Satire. Wasn't it the? I think the the narrator of the Afra book is who did it, right? Emily Wuzeller, Emily yeah, who I also met in mm-hmm. uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Amazing job there. Yeah. I'm glad she's getting all the money in the world. I, <laughs> I also really enjoyed... What about, uh, sorry to interrupt. I also really enjoyed The Final Order by Seth Dickinson about the the yes. admiral that's... Cannon House. Can, Cannon House, mm-hmm. who's yeah. like doubting the, mm-hmm. the rule of the Empire and stuff. That was really good. Wes, what were you going to yeah. say? Um, oh, Standard Imperial uh, Procedure. That, that Is that one the one good. with the uh, engineer? Yep. Yep. In the beginning, when they told him to get the hell out of their yeah. lunch room, that's man, that was By terrible. Sar- I don't, I'm not sure how to pronounce <laughs> their name. Sarwat Chada. Sarwat Chada. Chada. Yeah. Yep. Sarwat Chada. That was good. We also got oh, the will strike back. The last story, the most, especially if you're on audiobook, the last story with the two narrators, Jonathan, Jonathan Davis and Mark Thompson, I didn't get to that one yet. Back and forth to as to the it. will. Oh, it is the most hilarious, meta, ridiculous, fun ending to a book I've ever heard. Uh, Other ones that we haven't mentioned God. yet. Uh, Dragon Snake Saves R2-D2 by Katie Cook was really good. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, the comic. For the Last Time by, by Beth Revis was fun. Um, the First Lesson by Jim oh, Zub. Oh, yeah, the Yoda, Yoda story. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Vengeance? Uh, oh, I Ion, remember, I Ion Control. Vengeance. Let's see that one was. 265. I was going to say Ion Control by Emily Skretsky. Oh, yeah, that one was fun, uh, too. Just, I mean, they're all... 
Honestly, I'm looking through these. I'm they're like, all yeah, good. Like I, I want to talk about. Them. I want to talk about all of them for real because they were they were all so so good. See, there's one more. There was one more on my list that I really wanted to honorably mention. I think maybe not. Maybe we hit all of them already. Yeah, we've hit we've hit basic. I mean, God, there's so many there's so many fun ones. I think there's a reason our Discord channel <laughs> on this book has remained active. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's like there's a lot to digest yeah. and talk about about every single every it. single book. And I guess the last thing we should run through is Charles. You said you put together some Easter eggs for us, didn't you? I do yeah. have some Easter eggs. And to be fair, this entire book yes. is an Easter egg in it and is. of itself. Right? <laughs> for sure. That's it is. true. For sure. Some of the coolest things that jumped out to me, I, I do have a list of here, and I'll try to be quick. There actually ended up being more than I was expecting because I initially was not going to do this. But uh, yeah, let's let's run through them. So. I'll just say the name of the story and then what it was. Uh, but Ion Control, one of the earlier stories, uh, the rebels were betting on Han and Leia and whether they would basically oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> like hook up or not. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a person named yeah. Corporal Sunsbringer who says, someone has to go after him. We have to know what happens. This is my Boonta Eve classic, ma'am. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was, <laughs> and she was like, shut the hell up and get back to your station. Yeah. That was such a great, I loved Boon that. Eve, and it baby. was po- my pod racing reference. There has to be one per book if it's not going to be a book about pod racing itself. Uh, <laughs> Rendezvous points, several here. So Wedge recalls himself and Hobby escaping from Sky Strike Academy with the help of Sabine Wren. We get That's Sabine right. named yep. in this book. That's amazing. Um, Wedge eats a Kamerkin steak which was a consumable menu item from Star Wars Galaxies that would give your character oh, yeah. a foraging bonus. Holy and it is crap. also wow. it is also a meal <laughs> that was shared by Luke and Leia on Mimbin in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. So wow. That is a wow. deep dive deep. right there. Uh, that's that's a pretty deep one. One that probably a lot more people caught was the Contessa, who was one of Thane's yes. commanders in Lost Stars, returns in Rendezvous Point. Mm. So that's she, where she sure. was Epic. from. I, I, yeah. I, was, uh, I was driving down the road when I was listening to that story as I was listening to most of those stories. And when I got to my destination, I like put it in park and Googled the Contessa to try to figure out where she was from. I was like, where is that from? I can't remember, but I knew it was someone important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we got some awesome. more Lost Stars love. In the final order, the character tie-in is noted to be from Illo, and that is the same planet as Kendi Idell from Lost Stars, uh, who was one of uh, Sienna's roommates That's right. uh, in wow. the Empire. And Cannon oh, House right. actually wonders if Tyan dyes her hair to make it black because, because everyone from Illo uh, has green hair, just like Kendi was said to have in, in wow. Lost Stars. Wow, that's a great yeah. one. So that was really That's cool. a gauze. Uh, Charles, can I, I'm going to butt in for a yeah. second because uh, Tom also said, uh, speaking of rendezvous point, X-Wing authors Michael Stackpole and Aaron Alston's names are hidden in that story. Oh, uh, Interesting. That's awesome. I'm going to have to go back and try to read? find those. Mm-hmm. Someone yeah, throw too. that in the chat if you find that in the meantime. That's, <clears throat> that's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, in the story Vergence, the cave shows Yoda Ahsoka to remind him of his past failures. So, Ooh, so Ooh, that was a good one. I forgot about that. You done messed up, eh, Aaron? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's another deep dive for you. Tooth and Claw, Corey, you might like this one. Bosk remembers uh, what he calls his embarrassment on Gandolo 4, which is a moon where Chewbacca and Han were attempting to set up a Wookiee colony. And that story actually came from Bosk's character entry in 1995's Essential Guide to Characters. And Gandolo wow. 4 itself wow. actually wow. dates back even further to 1989 in a West End, uh, West End Games source book. 
So holy, holy crap! But guys, where yeah. were you when you first heard that? And I was—I can tell you—I was putting rice back into my pantry, and I was like, "I'm gonna have to look that up later about the gondola." Four. Oh, oh my gosh, God. that's incredible! Yeah, that's, yeah. So they're really but guys. Authors don't do the research. Legends is dead, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, in tooth and claw, Wookies were wielding—I I don't know how you say this—if it's uh, Rick, Rick blades, uh, Rick blades. Some type of I think, scythe-like I think it's Reek. Weapon. I think it's Reek. Is how okay. the audiobook said it. I think like Rick Blades. This is my Rick Blade. Rick Blade. Rick it's short for my Richard it's, Blade. <laughs> it sounds like a more aggressive version of getting Rick rolled. Like you got Rick Bladed. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was a weapon. I I don't know if when it first appeared, but it is from Aftermath Life Debt. So that was cool. Um, Fantastic. We also hear about was this is the craziest one that I probably have. We we also in Tooth and Claw hear about Wasaka berries. Okay. Oh yeah, and, that was a good. Uh, uh-huh. Do you guys know what that's uh-huh. from? I do not. Uh. Uh-uh. I no. want you to tell me. Wookie delicacy first introduced in the forty-page Wookie storybook from nineteen seventy-nine. Oh my god! Oh, yes. Trevor Davy is just the plot is off right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Holy crap! Yes, incredible. He's like, you mean this one? Yeah. <laughs> um, in in the story Stet, which was my very first uh, favorite choice, the great hyperspace disaster is referenced from the High Republic. So, yeah. Wow. yeah. Because he's like, I know it's in there. I'm writing about it right now. So I just put it in there. I don't know if you guys saw saw this earlier, but I wanted to, I wanted to shout her out. Um, yeah. Meg said in the chat earlier that uh, Stet is a publishing term. I don't know if we, did we, we talk about that already. I don't oh, think we did. No. She said, we she, said exactly Stet, about that. she said Stet means let it stand. It's used as an instruction on a printed proof to indicate that a correction or alteration should be ignored. So that's where the title comes from. It's a printing oh, thing. Because all of the corrections oh, were, were okay. ignored, essentially. Yes, and the they were printed. Version. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. You, the more you know. Thanks, Meg. Um, Elite Grandpa. Uh, also, a quick shout out to Spice Den, who noted, and, and a couple earlier stories we've already I think we've already been through. Uh, the names of Alex and Molly Damon, or I think their birthdays, Alex and Molly Damon, and then Ve- uh, Veer's watch's uh, actual name appear in the book as well. So some oh, fan wow. shout outs as well. Nice, That's awesome. Oh wow. This, yeah, in the Veer's story, Veer's watch's real name is like backwards as a as a character nice so nice. he got to be in a veer story uh, wow cool well, freaking del rey awesome. i'm available if you need to yeah. uh, name a character <laughs> <laughs> that's right um, in the story we got to read these high republic novels yeah. guys you got to see if uh <laughs> what kind of planets we got in the story wait for it boba bosk and dengar referenced their time with lats razzi and the in the rest of crates claw which was the bounty hunter syndicate yep. uh, featured in the clone wars tv yep. show so that was great that's right those are all um, good Fake it till you make it. Jackson apparently challenged Black Crescenton to a drinking game once before. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I saw yes, that one. That one was right. really good. <laughs> um, also, in Fake It Till You Make It, we got that Trogloff family that was trying to escape the Empire by fleeing where to Lasatra. Why do we know that planet? That is where none other than Eli Vanto grew up. What? Yes. What? Oh. Interesting. So Jeez. how do you Let's freaking see. find these, Charles? This is uh, so listen, impressive. It's literally my job, okay? It's why I'm here. <laughs> it's a gift. Uh, it's a so gift. Wow. Story, but what does he eat? The chef puts uh, Jogan fruit from Rebels into some dumplings. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Beyond the Clouds. Um, let's see here. Is it? Uh, I, I wrote this. I don't remember this name, but Isabelia refers to uh, a different bounty hunter's attire as wizard. So there we go. Uh, we're getting the, the Phantom Menace throwback there. 
So wizard Annie. So wizard Annie. Absolutely. Uh, Hey, mind if I jump in one more time? Uh, Tom brings us to light about the Molly Damon and Alex Damon birthdays. All the invented TK numbers in the book are attributable to real people in some way as a birthday or even their 501st cosplay TK number. Nice. Nice. Some people got numbers. That's right. In very long in no time for poetry, Dengar realizes <laughs> the abandoned ship sh- uh, that that they find should have ended up in an imperial shipyard, and he named Bracca as a likely destination. Oh, yeah. So Bracca is the nice. shipyard from fall Fallen yeah. Order and yeah. Resistance Reborn. So that was great. Which was a really fantastic plan, and just in general, I have to say, I can't it wait was. to see that. So much fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, in no time for poetry, the Hut's henchman offers IG-88 and Dengar Beskar as a bribe. So that's cool. Good to yes. see that come back again. That's from The Mandalorian. That's like that show with that thing. <laughs> I watched Star Wars. <laughs> in the story Do on Batu, we get Wilro Hood actually thinking about ice cream named Nectros Freeze, which is a reference to the fact that, of course, the Camtona was, uh, that he was carrying was an ice cream maker in real life. So that one's kind of breaking the fourth wall. Uh, excellent, um, excellent. The man who built Cloud City, we get uh, Yathros stating uh, that Queen ZK granted him the blessings of the angels of Aigo, which is a reference to Anakin's Are You an Angel moment in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, That's right. a great Man. one. Uh, the backup wow. backup plan. The main character mentions gambling on Tip Yip races, and we know Tip Yip has been a meal featured at Galaxy's Edge. Tip Yip. Uh, was enjoyed <laughs> most recently as part of the Life Day celebration in the Star Wars Lego Holiday Special. Thanks to That's right. Poe Dameron. That's right. Um, yep. In the Will Strike Back, speaking of holiday specials, at one point it is stated, I guess you wanted to get right to the part where they all help Chewie get back to Kashyyyk to see his son for Life Day. So now <laughs> that's kind of canon. Like, that's kind of it. Is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Um, God. In the Will Strike Back, also, we get this is the part where they run into Score the Bounty Hunter on Ord Mantell. And that's actually a reference to a throwaway line that. Uh, inspired several stories in the old Marvel comics in the 1980s. Um, it was uh, basically depicting various run-ins with Score, who was this yellow-skinned, pointy-eared bounty hunter with a cybernetic faceplate. So all of that stuff was just from old comics uh, in a throwaway line, and, and now we get it coming back in the Will Strike Back. So that's the last one I have, but there were some incredibly, incredibly wow. deep cuts. I probably missed 50% <laughs> of the things that were in this book. I mean, we could have a whole roundtable just about those. So if you all know of any more that were really cool that you enjoyed, throw them in the chat or uh, comment on this video if you're watching it on YouTube. I would love to, to catch even more. Awesome. Well, That was amazing. I... Wow, what a fun book. You know what? Let's let's go let's rewrite this book. I think we've talked all about what we love. We've talked about the cool things that are in here that maybe we didn't get on first, second, third read. Clearly we're all gonna be watching Empire much differently yeah. uh going forward, as I'm sure Corey you will do in the next forty eight hours. Um so let's let's do a rewrite. Charles, what was your do you remember what your original yeah. rating was about an hour yeah, ago? Yeah, I gave it an eight point <laughs> And uh man, I undershot this book. Uh even just talking <laughs> talking through these again, I remember all of the highs that I had while reading this book. So I'm gonna do something unprecedented probably. I'm going to come up to a nine point a full one wow. point jump. Nice. A full wow. point jump. Nice. Look at you. Nice. <laughs> Love that. Uh Wes? You were at an 8.5, is that right? I was at an 8.4. That's right. How dare and, 
usually, much like every one of these roundtables when we when we rate the book in the beginning, I'm going to increase my score to an 8.7. Nice. Um, basically because of Charles's uh, Easter egg reads. And then I found another quote from There Is Always Another that I was just going through my notes on. And when Luke says, R2, fire up the converters. And Obi-Wan says... I shoot R2 a look that says, don't you dare fire up those converters. <laughs> R2, gave, R2 gave another chirp that I swear means criff off. So, <laughs> Excellent. An 8.7 with a criff off reference. Dang straight. Corey. I think I'm going to stick with my 8.5. I mean, I, I, I think this book was super unique in all the categories for which we rate books, which is, uh, let's see if I can name them off the top of my head because I always have trouble with this. Plot, originality, characters, entertainment, and writing. I think those are the five five areas those are. that we rate books mm-hmm. on. And I, I think I think you could make a case for high scores in all five of those categories for this book just because mm-hmm. – Everything is so unique. Every story is so unique. It's like it's like getting forty small stories. Why we've been talking about it for an hour and forty minutes. It's like every single every single story is like one small little book, and like it's every, everybody yeah. has a unique characterization of, of folks. And I really enjoyed it. I think these are a lot of fun. I love these projects. I can't wait to get the Return of the Jedi one. I think Return of the Jedi has got like even more opportunities for really crazy storytelling. Oh, yeah. Ewoks, oh baby. my god! I can't wait for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's going to be super um, cool. And I guess I don't know if they're going to continue doing these for the for the prequels. If they do, which I kind of hope they do, um, even more. So bring on these projects. I think I think this I think these are pretty high on my list of. Uh, recommendations for people like that's another good way to kind of think about how you want to read a book is like you know somebody yep. asked you what's a good star wars book i've never read one i love empire it's like my favorite book all right well we have a book that's all about expanding on empire now so um yeah. i think mm-hmm. it fits in that category really well so 8.5 real solid great uh i am i'm going to bump my score i was at an 8.8 i'm gonna go up to a 9.1 um i like you said charles i'm gonna go with you like i I the high highs are really high, and I think that I I want to go above a nine, just to to represent that. And I love that this book introduced us to all these characters and introduced us to a bunch of new writers. I mean, you think of the writers in the first from a certain point of view. A lot of them have gone on to write some great Star Wars stuff, and a lot of them have written a bunch <laughs> of other good stuff that we've gotten to read because of Star Wars. So very excited for more of these. Absolutely, um, so excited to read back through these. You know, if I want to go to bed one time and for some reason there isn't a canon book that I need to read for a review, uh, maybe I'll go back to some <laughs> of my favorites. And of course, if you haven't yet, go back, listen to it on Audible. Uh, if you haven't got your Utini credit yet, you can still go to utini.com slash Audible and get that free trial. <laughs> Look at that terrifying cop van. All right, everyone. Um, a quick reminder as we end up this show, we still have, I believe, seven unique shows on the Utini Patreon feed at this moment um, that are coming out at least every other week, if not weekly, including... I'm, no, I'm not going to list them because I'm going to forget one. So go ahead. Go to our Patreon. Um, get all the various shows we're getting on Legends books, on just fun topics, on uh, all kinds of things you can imagine. Wes, we have a Utini game night coming up this week. What's it going to be? This week is Andrew Bell, and he's going to be playing. Hopefully, if the if the if the game loads up, kind of some of these older games are are hard to load, but um, maybe Jedi Outcast on for everybody listening on Wednesday. So uh, we'll send out a, a tweet about this. He'll be playing Jedi Outcast on Twitch on Wednesday evening. So um, just stay tuned for that. 
Awesome. And speaking of Twitter, remember, go to our Utini Twitter account, Not Living Forest, the Utini underscore US Twitter account, and find the tweets so you can enter for the giveaway for Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising, a special edition. We have this week, there's going to be two tweets where you can enter. Next week, there will be two final tweets, and we will be announcing the winner at the Christmas party live on Monday, December 28th. So go ahead over there. you got to be following to win. Like the tweet, retweet it, reply. All the instructions are over there. We want to see who gets that book. And finally, 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 next week, as we said, are the Utini Awards. You have voted. You have seen the nominees. Now it is time to tune in, see all of us dress up, and have some pretty cool new visual overlays Monday, December 21st, live on Twitch, 7 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, it'll be on YouTube later in the week. We're going to celebrate 2020 with our favorite books, moments, and more. We can't wait to see you all then. And on that note, my friends, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you already support us on Patreon, thank you for that. Uh, We went a little long this week, so we will not be having an aftermath, but we will see you again next week. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Sally and Chris Eilerson, and Freddie C. and our Alliance High Command for their amazing support of Utini, the Living Force, and everything we do. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD. Charles is at C. Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you, as always, to our amazing editor, Matt Davenport. Ryan, our tremendous graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager and co-host. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me tonight. Thank you to all of you in the chat for hanging out and all of you listening later. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.